Brought to you by the WZIP sports team, this is Sports Power Talk Overtime. Featuring in-depth interviews. I didn't really plan to ask this, but since you brought it up, what's it like kind of having like your own meme? Like how does that make you feel? <laughs> Exclusive original content. He crosses paths with another best in the world. Oh, that gets you excited, don't it? Oh, that gets me excited. And of course, the hottest takes. My dad used to have this saying, if you don't like the series, you don't like football. Over well, I say I'm a pretty big football fan, and I despise the <laughs> Okay, okay. <laughs> so get ready, because it's time for SPT Overtime. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of SBT Overtime. I am joined by Patrick Weber. Let's go, Jackets. Let's go, Jackets. Uh, unfortunately, the NHL season has come to an end. This is kind of late news, but your Colorado Avalanche have won the Stanley Cup. You Very... called that really early on. Dude. <laughs> I'm really impressed. I'm not going to lie. I, I did. I had faith in them from the very beginning. I, I didn't expect uh, Tampa Bay to be back for the third straight year. I thought maybe they'd get overtaken, but if anyone was going to beat that very good Tampa Bay team, it was going to be the Avalanche. I was very impressed. Even just as as a neutral fan, I thought that it was a very exciting series and one of the best matchups that we've seen in a long time. Uh, what were your thoughts on the Stanley Cup final? I was a big fan, obviously, because Tampa Bay lost. Yep. It was a little closer than I thought it was going to be, though, because I thought that if it was a matchup between the Avs and the Lightning, even though when we did our predictions, I did say the Lightning would win, seeing how mm-hmm. well the Avs were dominating the playoffs, I thought they would have swept, like just a clean sweep. Yeah, I knew that the Lightning would be easily their biggest opponent. They're, they're the one that would give them the most trouble in the playoffs. I will say that at least in the finals, I was a little disappointed with Nathan McKinnon little bit yeah but the rest of the team just played so well that it's not like you know you lose the star and then you're you're done you know very well that's the thing about this avalanche team is that every week there's a new like big contributor like early in the playoffs i said all right looks like mckinnon's going to be winning the con Smythe, and then it was kale mccarr i was like all right well then he's going to win it and then val nachushkin came up out of nowhere and, um, and then obviously you got Nazem Kadri. So it was hard to even determine who would be the Conn Smythe winner. But ultimately it did go to Kale McCarr, who was probably the most well, uh, most deserving of it, I, I would think. Agree, yeah. And the fact he's only 23, has a Stanley Cup, has a Conn Smythe, and has a Norris Trophy all in the same year is very Insane. impressive. Very impressive, yes. He is probably my favorite non-Blue Jacket to watch in this entire league, quite honestly. So uh, speaking of the Blue Jackets and the NHL, we just uh, came off of the NHL draft uh, this last weekend, and we're going to go through some of the picks. We're going to go through some of the top picks throughout the league and then kind of recap all the picks that the Columbus Blue Jackets have made and kind of figure out where we think the Blue Jackets will fall uh, next season. So let's start off with the uh, top couple picks here throughout the NHL. The number one pick... For a long time, everyone thought it was going to be Shane Wright, but left winger Juraj Slavkovsky, I hope I'm saying that right because these names just get harder and harder to pronounce every year. He ends up going to Montreal first. Um, his value was rising a lot as of late, so I'm not too surprised by it. What did you take away from that pick? I was a little surprised, but mm-hmm. I mean, at the end of the day, Montreal does struggle greatly with needing good wings, so I'm a big fan of this pick. I don't yeah. know if I would have taken him first overall, personally. I think he would have fallen a little bit. But 
overall, not a hateful pick. I think he's definitely going to contribute a lot to the Canadians in the future. Yeah, I, I think he was a, definitely a top three prospect, but I am kind of surprised that they went with him over, uh, obviously, Shane Wright. So number two, the New Jersey, uh, I almost called him the New Jersey Generals. We're still stuck on the USFL over here. <laughs> yes, the New Jersey Devils uh, take defenseman Simone Namich. I think I pronounced that one right. I hope I did. Um, but he is probably the best defenseman in this draft, New Jersey. They did not need any centers, so I'm not too surprised they passed up on Shane Wright with that. So I like the pick. What did you uh, I'm take a away big from fan, it? Especially since the Devils, they are lacking in defense. Definitely. So getting, I mean, obviously, <clears throat> like you said, the number one defensive prospect in the NHL. Phenomenal pick for them. I don't think that they should have taken anybody else at this. Uh, yeah, I agree. I was hoping it would fall to the Blue Jackets. I know a couple weeks ago when we did our last NHL episode, I was talking about how he's the one I would want at number six, but it seemed like since then his value has completely skyrocketed. So I like the pick uh, for New Jersey at number two. One that I don't like, though, is Arizona Coyotes taking center Logan Cooley. I'm I'm very confused by this because I think Cooley is a good prospect, and but I just don't it's not get... not a top three. I just don't get how, if you need a center, why you pass on Shane Wright. And my my big uh, theory on that is they probably expected Shane Wright to be gone by pick number three, and I think they were that they did a lot of homework on Cooley, probably more so than Wright. That's just my uh, uneducated opinion. Uh, but what do you think of this pick? Yeah, kind of like you said, I was I was surprised when I saw Cooley go before Wright. Mm-hmm. Not exactly, you know, the first questionable move that Arizona has done, right? Because it's the Coyotes. Yeah, but. I kind of I'm going to agree with you on that. They would probably be thinking going into this draft that Shane Wright's going to go number one or number two, even if he falls to number two at that point. Mm-hmm. So they're probably thinking, okay, we need all the help we can get right now. We need some centers. We're going to go with Cooley. So that, like you said, they probably did a lot of research on him and not a lot on Wright. So they were probably already sold on the fact that no matter what, we're going to take Logan Cooley because Shane Wright will be picked. And then when that rolled around and they didn't. They had already done so much research on Logan Cooley that they just decided to stick with it and write it out. Yeah, I I would have to agree with that. Um, but you know, if you're in Arizona's position, even if you've done all your homework on Logan Cooley, Shane Wright is still at least he has the highest upside and seems to be the most NHL ready. And when you're a team like Arizona, who is last in plus minus, they are last in goals. They're dead last in even, almost every stat. They're even last in like fans attending games. They're playing in a college arena. They're playing arena in a college right state, yeah, a college arena that they have to share a logo with at center ice. So they are in a horrible situation. The thing that you need to do when you're in Arizona's position is to take the best player available, regardless of need. And was Logan Cooley really the best player available at that point? I would think it's Shane Wright. So, I would 100% agree with you on Shane And the fact that they both play center, too. So yeah. that's even kind of a – that makes it even more questionable. But we'll see how they play out because these guys are super young. I mean, Shane Wright may be in the league, like, as soon as possible. And Logan Cooley, he could end up being like a Kirill Kaprizov where maybe he doesn't play for another several years and then all of a sudden he's a star. So it's too early to really make a big judgment on it. But I am a little worried that – you know, about how they passed on Shane Wright. Um, and so uh, speaking of Shane Wright, he ends up going fourth overall to the Seattle Kraken. 
they got themselves an absolute steal. Yeah. They're still a ways off before they're a playoff team, of course. But when you have two centers like Shane Wright and Matty Beneers, you know, that that's a recipe that, you know, you know, you look at teams like Edmonton where they have two of the top three, maybe even the top two centers in the league in Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl. I think that Seattle's trying to build a really solid offensive core with Wright and Beneers, and I think they'll be very successful with it. So what do you make of this pick? I think this might be the steal of the draft. Mm-hmm. Personally, because I mean, Shane Wright was supposed to be the number one overall pick yeah. for a lot of people, and then from the drop to four to Seattle, that's almost like that's just a gift. That's just a nice wrapped gift under their Christmas tree at this yeah. point. Because I mean, not only do you get a phenomenal prospect in Shane Wright, and like you said, he's probably the most NHL ready out of anybody in this draft, mm-hmm. but you also get the biggest name in the draft, and you're gonna draw all your fans out and he's also going to contribute a lot on the ice very early on because like you yeah. said he could we could see him in the league right away mm-hmm. so they got themselves a very very solid player absolutely number four. yeah I think he's probably the most NHL ready prospect at least at least in terms of forwards I think so uh, with the fifth pick the Philadelphia Flyers select left winger Cutter Gauthier I really like his name and I think it fits very well with not only Philly and their fans, but also with John Tortorella, his grit. Uh, that's just a perfect name for him. Um, but aside from his name, I like the pick. He was someone that I think that I thought if the Blue Jackets were going to take a forward, that this would probably be a very good pick uh, like in that target because you knew we weren't going to get Shane Wright. You knew that we weren't going to end up getting like Slev Koski. Slavkovsky, I can't even say it, uh, or Logan Cooley. So I thought that he would have been a good prospect for us to take. So I really like him with Philly at five. I think he's a lot more raw in terms of skill than someone like a Shane Wright would be. But Philadelphia is still very early on in their rebuild, and I think he's got plenty of time to develop into becoming a very solid uh, winger for the Flyers. So how, how do you like this one? I like it. I'm a big fan. Like you said, I with his name and everything, it's kind of fitting for Philly. Um <laughs> I like this pick for the for the Flyers. Like you said, they are in their rebuild. New coach, new system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty solid. Pretty solid for him. I like I like the pick right there. Yep, definitely. Number six, your Columbus Blue Jackets select defenseman David Yerichek. I have a lot to say about him, but I, I'll let you um, speak first on this. What I'm do you think not of this? gonna lie. I was a little surprised. Really? Just a little bit because I okay. I thought that. Going into this draft in the with the sixth pick, we'd focus on offense, even though we do need a lot of help defensively. Yeah, I thought we'd still look to maybe get a young wing, maybe a good you know center because we're struggling in a lot of places right now. Oh yeah, especially center. Yeah, and so I was thinking you know maybe we're gonna settle on and we're gonna get a center. Well, we got the defenseman. I'm not mm-hmm. complaining though because we're building a very young, good defensive core right now, and this just boosts it. I was a big fan of it. Like I said, a little a little surprising, but yeah. I like it. Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of the pick. Uh, it's not the first time we've surprised everybody by taking somebody out of left field all of a sudden. Yeah. So I like it. <laughs> yeah, we have had way bigger surprises uh, in recent memory with uh, Jarmo Kekalainen as our GM. But I, I personally love this pick because not only was he the best available player at this point in terms of all-around skill, but he is also exactly what the Blue Jackets lacked most, and that was a defensive defenseman, who shot with his right hand, and that is exactly who he is. He's not going to be the flashiest prospect in this draft. He's not going to be the sexiest pick, but I think he's going to have one of the biggest impacts, at least right away. I think, aside from Simone Nemec, he's probably the most NHL-ready 
in terms of his defensive skill. And even if he's just somewhat average, you know, like how much we love David Savard, he was exceptional on the defense and he would like rarely ever score, but he was just that good of a defender. So if this guy, if uh, David Yerichek is just average at scoring at uh, on offense, we got ourselves a really nice pick. 100%. So hopefully he gets to contribute a lot um, relatively quickly because we need that defensive help. And it would be awesome to see him paired with maybe Zach Wierenski or Vladislav Gavrikov or Adam Boquist, uh, just to solidify that young defensive core. So number seven, the Chicago Blackhawks, they chose defenseman Kevin Korchinski with a pick that they acquired after trading away Alex Dabrinkit to the Ottawa Senators. Now, I'm not a big fan of Kevin Korchinski as a prospect because, I mean, he has a lot of fits. I think he can, he'll be very successful. But if you're looking for someone who's going to be like a defense first kind of prospect, which is what I want the Blue Jackets to look at to uh, target, Korchinski's not quite that player that you want. He's more of an offensive player. Um, in fact, if you look at his stats from the 2021 22 season with the Seattle Thunderbirds of the Western Hockey League, four goals, 61 assists with 65 points in 67 games played. So, he is a very good contributor on offense. He's very good at uh, creating plays, quarterbacking plays, but he does a little leave a little to be desired on defense. But that's not my biggest takeaway from this pick. It's the fact that they got rid of Alex Debrinkit. I don't for the know number what seven they pick. were thinking with that. They, the Senators, fleeced. Yes, the Blackhawks. One of the few rare Senators wins. And let's be honest here. The Blackhawks, they get fleeced a lot. Yes. They don't even have Stan Bowman as GM anymore, and they're still getting fleeced. Yeah. I just don't get what they're doing in this rebuild because it's, it's like they're doing the opposite of what teams should be doing in a rebuild. I know Patrick Kane is still a very good player. But, but he's you know, not as good as he was. Exactly. And Jonathan Taze, he's really taken a step back. This core is not the same core, or this team is not the same team that has won the Stanley Cup uh, three times last decade they need to move on they need to stop trading away their super talented young prospects like Alex Dabrinkit Artemi Panarin uh, even Adam Boquist and Kirby Doc who is another Kirby Doc is another player that they ended up trading away and, and then they're also paying top money for Seth Jones who everyone else in the league seem to see regress a lot so yeah, I just I, I just don't get what they're, they're kind of like living in the past because what they what their trend seems to be is, okay, we're going to keep this core that won 10 years ago. Yeah. Which, cool, yeah, you won 10 years ago, but obviously people do age, athletes age, and mm-hmm. with age, their skill isn't as great anymore. Well, and then, like you said, they're trading away all their young prospects for players that are aging still. Yeah. I don't get it. It's like if you're in a rebuild, you get rid of the old players. You try to see, okay, if they've got a little bit left in them, let's trade them while the value's still high. Exactly. And get some good picks, get some better prospects, but instead you're holding on to them, and then when you want to go trade them, nobody's going to give you anything because they all recognize at this point, okay, they've regressed a lot. We don't want them on our team. Right. So it's going to take a lot for them to get back on track, probably even to gain trust from a lot of fans because we've seen them having quite the exodus of fans after Ooh, yeah. a lot of those allegations came out about the uh, front office and how the team handled um sexual misconduct, which is an absolute shame, should never be tolerated anywhere. And it seemed like Not it was only enabled. So they have a lot of work to do in yeah. that Chicago Blackhawks organization. 
So moving on to the next pick, at number eight, the Detroit Red Wings select center Marco Casper. Now, they are still quite a ways to go in their rebuild. Um, I think they're on the upside of the rebuild, but they're still they still have a lot of work to do. And so I think that they probably could have taken someone who wasn't quite as raw. I liked Matthew Savoy and Frank Nazar better than uh, Marco Casper. Um, me personally, that's just at least when you look at the numbers. Uh, what do you th- what do you take away from this pick? I think it's I think it was the safe pick. Yeah. To make here, they could have made a better one, but I think if you want an overall decent player. At this point in the draft, you've been struggling a little bit in the past. Like the Red Wings, you know, they've been in a little bit of a regressing stage. I think it was the good, safe pick. So I'm not mad at it, but I'm also not, like, over the top, like, pleased with it. I think it's the best way I can put it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, at this point in the draft, you're not expecting someone to contribute right away and be, like, a, you know, 20-goal score immediately or 30-goal score immediately. So he is the safe pick. I think he will be very solid with them. But I'm not going to expect him to be some franchise-altering piece. I mean, not he could be. I don't know. I mean, you never know. Y- yeah, you you really don't. So with the number nine pick, the Buffalo Sabres, who are also in a complete dumpster fire right now, select center Matthew Savoy. I think that he was the he has the higher upside of a lot of the more recent prospects. I really like him because he seems to transition very smoothly between leagues without any problem. Uh, last season. With the Winnipeg Ice of the Western Hockey League, he had 90 points in 65 games, 35 goals, 55 assists. That is a very impressive uh, scoring line right there. So I think Buffalo has a very good prospect, and that is if they can build around him, which seems to be the problem with that Buffalo Sabres team. They so, do seem to struggle with building around their uh, prospects, but I do think that um, I do think he will be a star for yeah. this team. As long as if he gets injured, they can let him get the uh, procedure that he needs and not trade him away to some super team, then that would be great. Number 10, the Anaheim Ducks select defenseman Pavel Mintyakov, if I'm saying that right. Um, Again, he's he's a lot like Korchinski in that he's a very good offensive defenseman, but not quite what you want if you're looking for defense first. I think he's still good. Just I'm just not sure if that's what Anaheim needs because they have a lot of good scores, but they they need to improve on that minus 38 plus and minus, and yeah. that solely comes from having a good defense that can back up your goalie. So what do you take away from this? Again, not mad at the pick. Again, it's like one of those, again, like fail-safe picks where it's like, okay, let's look at the prospects that are left. The guy that we wanted probably already got, you know, mm-hmm. probably got taken earlier in the draft. So what's the safe pick? That's not going to completely make us look like the worst team ever. Yeah. So I'm not mad about it. Again, not the best pick. I would have made a different selection if I were the Ducks. But overall, I think in a few years, I think he could be a solid, maybe like second or third line defenseman for the Ducks. Yeah, I could definitely see that. Uh, Going back to Arizona with the 11th pick, they select Connor Geeky, who's a centerman. Um, they seem to be taking Garmo's approach from last year by taking two centers with their uh, top picks. Um, they are dead last in scoring and in plus and minus, like I was saying. So really they have no choice but to go with best player available. Was he the best available player at this point? I don't know. But I will say I do like his value a lot more at 11 than I liked uh, Logan Cooley at number three. So what do you think of this? I completely agree with you. Arizona is, like you kind of mentioned, it's a dumpster fire. Mm-hmm. In the desert right now, 
they're taking the safest pick. They're taking the pick that overall is going to help them. They did need the bounce back from taking Logan Cooley, though. Mm-hmm. So I I give them more props on that pick than I do for the Logan Cooley pick for sure. You know what? That should be the nickname for the Coyotes, the dumpster fire, dumpster in, the fire desert. in the desert. We got the mistake on the lake. Now we got the dumpster fire in the yep. desert. Well, let's be honest. Everything in Arizona though. is yeah. dumpster fire. Because even when the teams that they have win, they still find a way to lose. Yep. That's right, Cardinals um, fans. I yeah. still remember 08. Oh, that was a good time for me. Uh, no, it wasn't. Number 12. Well, for you it wasn't. <laughs> for me it was. <laughs> yep. Uh, with the number 12 pick, the second for the Columbus Blue Jackets in this first round, they take Denton Matichuk, defenseman. This is another great pick by Yarmo, uh, in my opinion. I think aside from Simone Nemec, he was probably the best two-way defensive player in the draft, at least the best one available. And uh, we could definitely use that offensive ability in the middle and uh, bottom end of our defensive units. Uh, so what, what do you think of this? I loved this pick because when mm-hmm. we did our draft predictions um, a couple episodes ago, I actually predicted that we would take Denton Matichuk. You know, at, I think I did too. I think I had us I had us taking him at number six, though. I didn't have him, you know, I was taking him at 12. Yeah. But I am thrilled with this pick. Like you said, he's a phenomenal two-way player. Mm-hmm. Overall, he's probably, I'd say out of all the two-way, like you kind of mentioned, other than Simone Nemec, he's probably like the most balanced yeah. defenseman in terms of he can score, but he also plays defense, you know, phenomenal defense. Right. I'm really excited for this because we took the first round and just focused on defense, which is what we needed to do. Yep. So what we, we have, did, what we we have we did last scores. year with uh, center. Mm-hmm. It's like we have the scores now. So mm-hmm. we have to focus on our defense because while, yes, we were scoring a lot of goals, well, so was everybody else because we couldn't, you know, get our defense to click. But now that we're building such a young defensive core, adding Denton Matichuk, I think he's going to be a star in the next five years. Yeah, I certainly hope so because I love his upside. I love his style of play. And if he can work his way up to the at least the middle pair, maybe the bottom pair, that would be solid because then we'd have a really good defensive core with Wierenski and Peak, Juracek and Matichuk, Vladislav Gavrikov. Uh, so I'm like I'm liking the upside of our defensive core right there. So those are the top 12 picks. Out of all those, or even more picks that we haven't talked about, what would be your biggest like steal? I, I guess you already touched on that. And uh, also, what would be your biggest reach? So like I mentioned before, I think the biggest steal is definitely Shane Wright going agree. number four. We're just surprising because, I mean, we're talking like steals are like, oh, you know, you yeah. get somebody who's maybe a top five prospect at like 20. No, we're talking about a guy that literally dropped three spots. Yeah. But that's still a steal for how good Shane Wright really is. Mm-hmm. As for the biggest reach, I think I got to give it to Arizona with their Logan Cooley pick. Yeah. Because, again, Logan Cooley, good prospect. I'm not saying he's mm-hmm. a bad prospect. I'm not saying, you know, he's a bad player. But why, even if you did all your research on him, why mm-hmm. do you pass up on Shane Wright? Right. If he's still on the board, you take you take the guy that's going to make an immediate impact. I don't know if Logan Cooley's going to make that immediate impact that Arizona desperately needs. Right. So I think that's probably my biggest reach is Logan Cooley going to Arizona. Yeah, I would have to agree on pretty much all of that. I think that there weren't many huge reaches and even then with Arizona I don't think that in and of itself is a reach just because that's probably who they were expecting to get but again it's just when you have Shane Wright right there you know what how do you how do you pass how do on you him? how do you literally give up the best arguably the best prospect 
yeah. in this draft. And you settle for somebody that, yeah, cool, you might have done your research, but you literally are, you have nothing. Mm. So just go all in on, even, you know, you don't do the research, cool, go all in on the top prospect. Don't don't try to finesse your way around it. No, you take the guy available, and they didn't do that. And, yeah. I don't know, like I said, they're just an absolute dumpster fire over there. I feel horrible for all Coyotes. They don't even have fans, so never mind. I don't feel bad for their fans. <laughs> they're all they don't transplants, have them. yeah. Yeah, it's, it's abysmal, truthfully. Yeah, I, I feel for them, but for all 12 of them. So we talked about the... Top picks in the NHL. We talked about the Blue Jackets' first two picks in the first round. Let's go over some of the other prospects that the Blue Jackets have taken. With the second pick, 44th overall, they have taken center Luca Del Bell Belouz. I love that name. And That's going to be a great name to put on a jersey. Yes. I will be buying that. <laughs> yes, and I hope that the player is even better. Uh, many scouts act and analysts actually seem to have him go in the first round. So I think we got a phenomenal. I think that might be my second biggest steal of the draft. I mean, he fell a lot further than I thought. So when I saw he was still on the board going into that pick, I was sitting there. I was watching it on my phone, mm-hmm. refreshing. I'm like, we better take him. We yeah. better take him. He's there. Yeah, we don't really need the centers and scoring too much. But if you have a player like him who's supposed to go in the first round, phenomenal prospect, and he's dropped to us. It, it's like I said, it's a, just a gift wrapped for us. We got to take him. Right. I was absolutely thrilled with this pick. Yep. Very low risk, high reward type of player here because you, you know, you're building a lot of depth at center. You have a lot of young centers on this team now. And so when you take Luca Del Bell Belouz, I'm just going to say his name, just find every <laughs> excuse to. You're not really expecting him to be the number one guy right away. So. If he ends up being just a very solid contributor on, like, maybe the bottom six, maybe the middle six, I think that'll be a very good pick right there. A very good. I completely agree. And so with our third round pick, number 96 overall, we have taken right winger Jordan Dumai. I think that's how you say it. Uh, if we're saying it in French, I don't know. I Like I said, I, it's harder to pronounce these guys' names. Yeah, wait, wait until we get to the next guy. <laughs> yeah, that'll be fun. Um but with this man, if you look at his stat line, he can score. He has got 190, or sorry, not 190, 109 points on 30 goal, 39 goals, 70 assists, all in 68 games. I know that numbers don't always tell everything in hockey. Uh, but that that says something. But that says a least. lot. least. Because we know that, obviously, you know, in the past we've struggled with scoring, but that's because we were under that heavy defensive mindset of, Coach Tortorella. Yeah. But this year we saw our scoring improve significantly. However, there were times, obviously, where we're missing very easy open shots. Mm -hmm. I think adding his scoring into our new offensive-minded system with Brad Larson, great pick. Absolutely. I don't think I see a pick on here that I am not. Well, there's one. Okay. There's one I was a little not happy with. But overall, I think this is this might be the best draft or the most pleased I've been with our outcome as yeah. a Blue Jackets fan. Mm-hmm. We did a phenomenal job. We got a lot of steals. It was almost like a lot of the players that, you know, people are predicting are going to go earlier on just happened to fall right to us. So I was completely fine with this pick. I mean, like you said, 109 points. Yeah. That says quite a bit. He is an offensive machine, and I can't wait to see him suit up. Absolutely. The reason I think that he fell 
to 96 overall, it probably has to do with his size. Because other than that, you, you look at his production, it's like, how is this guy not a first rounder? But you look at his size, he's only five foot eight, 165 pounds. Now he is small, but he is small, but he makes up for that in speed as well. Yes. Lightning fast. And we've had a couple smaller players in the past that have done very well for our franchise, uh, namely Cam Atkinson. So honestly, I miss Cam Atkinson. I do too. I think that size is kind of overlooked. I, or yeah, well, cause we also have to consider too, that, um, our one defensive prospect, uh, the former captain from Michigan, mm-hmm. he's only five, nine and, we saw him tear it up in the last oh, 10 games of the season he was yeah. out on the ice. So, And then you remember Nathan Gerby, only 5 oh, four. He's taking down Zdeno Chara. Yeah. So was, I think that insane. I think size is very overrated. I think that no the matter only, what size you are, if you're good enough, you will, you'll find a way to succeed. The only time I know, think that uh, the size isn't overrated is when it comes to being a goalie because you do oh, have yeah. to have that size. Yeah, but you're other than have the that, span, but it doesn't really matter what position you play. If you're good, then you're good. And you, that doesn't really yeah. matter. You look at, like, Brad Marchand. You know, for as much as I can't stand the guy, you got to respect how good he is for as small as he is. 100%. So I I, I love the value with Jordan Demai at uh, 96 overall. He could at least be a very good uh, contributor to the Monsters in the AHL if he doesn't see playing time right away. With our fourth pick, 109 overall, we take right winger Kirill Dozenkov. I hope what I a said name. that. Yes, Dozenkov, maybe. Dozenkov. Dozen- Who knows? Uh, we will figure out when um, uh, Jeff Rimmer pronounces it in a million yep. different ways. <laughs> we'll have some more clarity then. But um, going back to my point of how numbers don't really tell everything, he doesn't seem to be a very productive scorer, but kind of like the opposite of Jordan Demai, he makes up for that with his size and his physicality. He is an absolute beast on the ice. He stands at six foot six, two hundred thirty pounds. So even he though he's playing in the NFL. Yeah. He should be starting linebacker <laughs> or something or tight end. Like Yeah. Whew. Honestly. So even though he's not like the most efficient scorer, I think he's gonna contribute in a lot of ways that teams really need. Teams I think go ahead. The the player that I'm gonna compare him to that we've had in the past. This is an early prediction, but I think he's going to be like a Jared Bull for us, mm-hmm. really, where yeah. he doesn't score a lot. He doesn't get that many points or assists, but what he makes up for that, he he will be the most physical player when he yes. steps out on that ice. Because you, you remember how guy. physical Jared Bull was. Oh, yeah. He would fly around. He would look to hit people. Yeah. He would fly around the ice, hustle at everything. I have a very, very good feeling that um, Crilly is going to be. Yeah be that Jared Bull type player that we've been missing for so many years. Because ever so. since he left, we've also we've lost a lot of our physicality. Yeah, but you can definitely have. tell that since Jared Bull did leave and uh, retire, that the physicality and hustle on the team kind of took a turn for the worse. Mm-hmm. And I think that adding... And um, you, you had some elements of it with like Max Domi and, yeah. and Josh Anderson. But nothing compared to the physicality we had when Jared Bull would be yeah. out on the ice. Because the minute he stepped out on the ice, it was like everybody immediately was yeah. hustling more. They were more Better physical. behave, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I think that we have got a Jared Bull 2.0 just sitting waiting to suit up for us. I hope so. And, you know, you can only hope he's that good because even with this scoring line... You know, he is a fourth rounder, so you can't expect too much out of him at this point. I know that 
there are players who fall all over the place. I believe Kirill Kaprizov, going back to him, was like, I believe he was like a fifth rounder. Um, but realistically, you can't expect him to be the most efficient player in the I NHL. Expect him to be just a solid, yeah, solid, like I said, Jared Bull type where he's not going to score a lot at all. He's mm-hmm. not going to, you know, get many assists, probably not see a whole lot of ice time. But when yeah. we need to have that physicality in a close game, we throw him out there to make sure that we can hustle, get the puck, and exactly, yeah, keep the momentum going. Number pick number 138, fifth round, we take uh, goalie Sergei Ivanov. Uh, this one was a little more surprising to me, but at the same time, I kind of like it because in the fifth round, when you take a goalie, it's all, it's just a project. We already got kind of a full line right now that we're, or a, a goalie pipeline that we're just replenishing as we should uh, because we know that Elvis and Corpy are going to be getting the one and two. You have Daniil Tarasov getting healthy, likely going to get more playing time with the Monsters, and same with Cam Johnson. So I don't have too high of expectations for right away. I also wasn't a big fan of this pick since I understand that, like, we're getting late in the draft. There's not many prospects left. Yeah. So what do we do? We take, you know, somebody who we draft them, you may never hear his name in the pros, but that's just what's expected. I didn't like it because... This is for a personal reason because you know how I feel about Sergei Bobrovsky. This <laughs> yeah. guy has the same first name. So I was like, one of the reasons I didn't like the pick because I'm like, I remember the last time we had a goalie named Sergei. Well, I pain. mean, he, he, he had uh, two Vesnas though. So it, it worked out for us. Just yeah, maybe but, not as long as we would have liked. Yeah. And I don't know. I just wasn't a big fan of us taking a goalie here because we didn't really, we don't really need goalies you know right so yeah. but but like i said at this point you're not expecting them to contribute much yeah. and it's just nice to have an extra body the only reason i would see us taking him is if we've perhaps uh been reaching out to other teams about trading corpus Salas and scorpy you know clearly isn't very happy being the number two option um anymore right. behind elvis so that would be my only my thought behind that because tarasov's already proven that he's nhl ready it's just a matter of can he stay healthy? Um, yeah. Because when he went down with that injury, I mean, he was playing. I mean, and like I said, he's 0-2, yeah, but he played against the two, some of the two best teams in the league. Yeah. And only managed, I think he gave up three or four goals. Yeah, he for did. A, for he, a young goalie going up against, you know, he played against the Dallas Stars and I think it was Ottawa. Um, mm-hmm. But, I mean, those are two very offensive-minded teams, and you only give up four goals. Um, that's phenomenal. For a, yeah. for a rookie goalie right there. Yeah. And considering that he shouldn't really have gotten any playing time last year, he was like the number three or four goalie. Yeah. We've just and had so many injuries and went through so many goalies. We went yeah. through, you know, Cam Johnson. We went through Jean-Francois Berube. So we went through a lot. And for him to hold up like he did in the few games that he played, I, I think he's going to be a very solid goalie. I think goalie, he has the most two. upside out of any uh, – Goalie that's not Elvis or Corpusalo. Yeah, definitely. And unfortunately, with the untimely passing of uh, Matisse Kivlenix, you know, we could have had even a fuller uh, goalie pipeline. So with our last pick, number 203 overall in the seventh round, we take right winger James Fisher. And there's not a whole lot of analysis I have on him other than you know, at this point in the draft, you're just hoping that they can at least make it to the pros, make it to the AHL. Maybe have like a dark horse pick. Because uh, let's be honest here, you get this late in the draft, there's a very good chance that they're never going to see the ice in yeah. the pros. Um, I just think it was a 
you know, all right, who's best available at this point for us? Yeah. So nothing positive or negative to say about the pick. You know, just, I guess, welcome welcome to the team. <laughs> yeah, and um, just looking at, like, our last couple drafts, a lot of our seventh-round picks have been at least productive in the AHL. You look at uh, 2019, Tyler Angle, he's been tearing it up in Cleveland. I'm surprised he hasn't gotten much time, if any, in Columbus. Uh, 2018, Trey Fix-Wolanski, another exceptional player uh, for Cleveland that I think did play a little bit in Columbus. Uh, Let's see, what else? Six-round, Carson Meyer, he's been very good, Ohio State uh, player. Uh, Calvin Turkoff, no longer on the Monsters, but he was uh, quite the contributor then. And uh, Marcus Nutavaro, when he was here, he was also a seventh rounder and a pretty, pretty solid middle to uh, bottom pair defenseman for us. So, if he can, if uh, James Fisher can pan out just like those guys, I think that'll be good enough. Let alone if he even makes it to the NHL. So that is our draft, or that yeah, that's been the uh, Columbus Blue Jackets draft this year. Uh, with that, where do we think the Blue Jackets are gonna end up next season? I think we're going to finish around 40 to 42 wins. So not a huge increase from last year. I don't think we'll make the playoffs this year, but it will definitely be an, uh, an improvement from where we were last year. Um, that's just because we're we're nearing the end of our rebuild. Yeah. Where, you know, we've been the worst and we've been that bad. Yeah. But now we're starting to see a lot of upside. There's a chance we could slide in to... Um, make the playoffs because I don't know how Washington is going to play. Right. The Capitals could kind of slide down a little bit. They haven't really done too much. Um, Like I said, there's that slight chance, but I have us around like 40 to 42 wins. Okay, yeah. I I have us about around there. Um, I I said before, I think we'll finish maybe with 90 wins because we finished this last season with 81. I'm just looking at these teams and just, just based off of points, it just seems like this is such a uh, top-heavy conference. You know, you look at the Washington Capitals, who were the second wild-card seed with 100 points. The team right behind them were the Islanders with 84. So they were quite ahead of the next team. It was very, whoever was in playoff contention, you knew it early on. If you weren't, then you knew you weren't going to yeah. make it. And so I think the Blue Jackets, I think it'll still be like that, and I think the Blue Jackets will miss the playoffs again. You know, this might not be the quickest rebuild, we will see, but I don't have too high of expectations. I just expect us to compete like we did this last season. I think we exceeded a lot of expectations. We finished just around 500. I think people had us going a lot lower than that. So if we can just slowly improve every season and work our way back into playoff contention, I will be satisfied. I'm not really expecting much from them this year. But other teams that we're expecting to do well or how about let's look at the playoff teams that made that made the playoffs this year who do you think is not going to make the playoffs in either conference Mm. because i'm looking at the east here and i can see all these teams heading back to where they are i don't see detroit being quite there yet i don't see the islanders even the blue jackets and obviously buffalo is still far down there i think it's a toss-up. I don't know if the Kings will make it again, um, mm-hmm. but that's because I think Vegas is going to reclaim that playoff spot. Yeah. Um, I also, like I mentioned before, I don't know if uh, the Capitals are going to uh, to stay in there, but again, that all depends 
like I said, because I think if they don't make it, then we do, because I have yeah. us finishing right around the same as them. Okay. Um, so my thing I, about, I agree, my thing about so. the Capitals is that they're still the Capitals. They still have a lot of that star power there. Yeah. I know that a lot of their weaknesses were exploited, but they're all like they're a lot like Boston where they're just always in it. They're always going to be very competitive. It's always going to be hard for them, uh, hard to beat them, really. Yeah. So when I'm looking at some of these playoff teams, uh, I, I don't have much faith in L.A. I don't have much faith in Nashville. Maybe Dallas still makes it. I don't know. The two Maybe. teams that I think will be back in it will be Vegas. And then to me, it's a toss-up between Winnipeg and Vancouver. Because I think Vancouver is on the upside. I think that they have a good young team going for them there. I think that, yeah, the two teams that are going to replace either of L.A., Dallas, or Nashville, it's probably going to be Vegas because they still have all the stars that they have. Um, They're on, like, their fourth head coach already, or third or fourth head coach. (laughs) So I don't know how well that bodes for them. And I've always been critical of all their moves because they always seem to be in play-now mode. They always seem to be in... 12-year-old playing NHL, uh, EA NHL mode, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Where it's like they're always trading away picks and prospects for some overpaid superstar. So I just don't know how well that can go on for them. They missed the playoffs this year. A lot of it had to do with injury, but that's the thing. If your stars get injured, who's going to step in? Yeah, because you've, you've traded away all those picks and yeah. the, all those prospects. Yeah, so, so even short-term and long-term, I don't know how I feel about Vegas, but I— I feel like they have the talent to be back in it if they stay healthy. Yeah, Long term, I don't know, but I think Vegas will be back in it. And you know what? Speaking of Vancouver, they now have two Elias Pettersons now. I know. I Did saw you that. see that? <laughs> I thought it was crazy how there were two Sebastian Ajos in the league, but there are two Elias Pettersons, and they both play in Vancouver. And the funny thing is they look the exact same, too. I know. It's, it's scary. It's quite weird. They're both like 6'2". They're both left-wingers. It's it's unbelievable. It's, it's weird. It's quite frightening. <laughs> so, yeah, if you're on the ice, you, you don't know which Elias Pettersson uh, to be afraid of. So I, those are my teams uh, that I think are going to make the playoffs and re, uh, replace some of the, uh, the other teams. So let's uh, – I know we just com- uh, concluded the Stanley Cup, but let's do a very – way too early Stanley Cup preview. Who do we think is going to make it next season to the finals? So I, I really want to say that the Avalanche are going to make it again, but okay. I don't know if they will, because I think that Carolina, even though I said this already, you know, this past year, and Carolina didn't make it, I think that Carolina they have a lot of upside, and I think that now that they've made their playoff appearance, that they've gained this reputation, they have the playoff experience now. I think they're going to go to the finals. Um, coming out of the West, I'm going to give it to. Hmm. I'm going to give it to uh, the Flames. Okay. I think it's going to be a Flames-Hurricanes matchup. Um, The Flames, they were disappointing this year in the playoffs. And I think that because, you know, they had these high expectations and fell so short, they're going to be fired up when they make it back into the playoffs, and they're going to have that drive. Yeah. You know, I I wonder, you know, maybe they went into the playoffs a little too cocky. Thinking, oh, you know, we're yeah. we're the number two seed, so we're gonna just kind of like walk by everybody. It's so. because they came they came up so fast. You look at them last season; they were like last in the Canadian division yeah. uh, when it was COVID realigned. 
um, or at least second to last. They were one of the last teams. They were. I want to say, I think Winnipeg might have been. Yeah. I think they might have been last. Yeah, so they went from there all the way to being one of the top teams in the West. So I can definitely, I definitely can't count them out. I think they will learn from their mistakes. And same with Minnesota. Um, I think that with time, they'll only get better. And, you know, after a team wins a championship, everyone thinks, oh, well, they're favored to win next year. It's easy to think that. And I think that the Colorado Avalanche are one of the best, or they are the best team in the league. And I think that they probably, I want to say they will make it back, but it's not going to be nearly as easy as it was last year. No, this this year, I mean, they dominated the mm-hmm. playoffs. It was incredible. I mean, while you were watching almost every other series go six or seven games, the Av- the Avs are just sitting there right at home because they've already won their series. They just sweep them. Yeah. So it was it, really incredible to watch. Yeah, they had like the most minor hiccup um, versus St. Louis uh, when they were – and they they went right after uh, Nazem Kadri, and then he comes back, scores a hat trick. So they they have a lot of pieces. They also just traded um, for Alexander Georgiev from uh, a goalie from the Rangers, and uh, he'll he'll be uh, Darcy Kemper's replacement because he has just hit free agency. So my biggest my biggest concern with the Avalanche is their goaltending. I really like uh, Pavel Francouz, and I also do like Georgiev, but. They just haven't had their Patrick Waugh. You know what I mean? Yeah. They, they haven't had that number one guy in a very long time. So that's what concerns me because with most other teams, you don't win a Stanley Cup unless you have an at least above average goalie. Yeah. It's it's like in the NFL. You can't succeed if you don't have a very good quarterback. And like in baseball, if you don't have an ace of a pitcher, you're not going to do well. Yeah. So that's my biggest concern with the Avalanche but I still think that they have what it takes to make it back for the West. Um, so, and anyway, see that, yeah. going back to the East, it's a lot more close because I can definitely see Tampa Bay making it for a fourth time in a row because that core is still there. Yeah, and, it, and they know how to win. That's the thing. They, they might not be the exactly. highest seed, but they know how to win. They've, they've been to the Stanley Cup now three years in a row. Yes. They know what it takes to get there, so they automatically kind of get a boost over the rest of these mm-hmm. um, teams that are in here. Yeah, I can already tell you that at least in the East, we can already count out the Maple Leaves because yep. they're never winning the, Maple the playoff Leafs, series. No matter ever. how good they look. I mean, they're one of the favorites to win the Stanley Cup, but it's like, just win a round, please. Yeah. That's all we ask. I do also want to point out that uh, before uh, this year, Stanley Cup's mm. uh, playoffs, that the last time the Tampa Bay Lightning lost a series was That's to right. us. We That's own right. the Tampa Bay Lightning. Yep. I will forever live and die by that. It just feels nice that we swept them. That was their last series that they lost. We got recognition, and it's not bad. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, first of all, yeah. Um, And then their dynasty kind of ends, or at least takes a hiatus with a loss to my second favorite team being the Avalanche. Just incredible. Love to see it. It's a feel-good moment for you over there. Yes, it is. (laughs) Um, But anyway, going back to my point on the Eastern Conference, it's just so hard to tell because it's a lot more competitive than the West. There are a lot of teams who I think could very well make it very far. Um, Pittsburgh, I don't see that happening. Florida, maybe. I think they have the right pieces, but they just need to learn how to play in the playoffs. Because like the Maple Leafs, they had all the talent in the world, but they just have not had any playoff success in so long. I mean, this was the first time they won a series since since like the 90s. I think they had the longest uh, I think that's right, playoff yeah. win drought. 
but I just don't know if I trust them because they just haven't been very far. They don't have that experience that uh, some of these other teams have. Yeah, so I, w- so I would have to give it to either Tampa Bay again or Carolina. I said Carolina at the beginning of the season because I thought that this would be the year they make that jump. Maybe they just need her next year. So I'm going to go with Colorado again making it. They will take on the Carolina Hurricanes, all right, as I so, predicted uh, at the beginning of this season. So. All right, so we can agree that the Hurricanes are going to the Stanley Cup, but where we disagree is on the Avalanche and the yep. Flames. I don't know. I but still you think, know what? I think the, the Avs could make it, though. If the Avalanche don't, I could very well see the Flames because they got the scorers, they got the goalie, and Jacob Markstrom. The, the Wild, I think they can go far. They just needed the experience in the playoffs, and they they're, I think they're a step closer so I think that it's a, t- it's a toss-up between Colorado, Minnesota, and Calgary. I'm just going to go with Colorado because they have the most playoff experience out of all those teams. So those are okay. my takes. Uh, so, yeah, that should just about do it for this episode. Do you have any final thoughts? Go Jackets, as always. Um, what a draft. I got to say, I'm, I'm loving the players that we decided to take, mm-hmm. at least our first four picks. Big fan. I can't wait to see them suit up. Uh, go out and play for us one day. We got a lot of really good players as of late, and mm-hmm. I can't complain because, you know, as we know, we've been sitting through this rebuild ever since the uh, uh, playoff win, and I think it was, what, 2019? 2019, 2019, yeah. Um, it's been a rough three years since then, but uh, we're coming back up on the upside, and the last thing we need to officially solidify that the rebuild is over is we need to re-sign the man, the myth, the absolute Blue Jackets legend exactly. already, Patrick Line. Give that man his contract. Please pay the man. Don't be cheap for once, please. We we tend to do that. Yeah, keep we, a star in Columbus long term. Please, because I guarantee you if we do that and we show that, oh, if you're a star, we're not going to be afraid to pay you. We're going to draw in more stars. Exactly. Because the biggest thing for a lot of these free agents is, you know, when they take a look at us, it's probably – you know, we do, we could go here, but then the minute, you know, we have to ask for an extension or we want to be, you know, you know, get a better contract deal, they're not going to get it. Yeah. So I, we got to do it with the, with the guardians. Finally, we finally paid our players yeah. and look, they're having some success right now. So, yep. A little up and down, but, um, yeah, if you have to overpay line a, it's, that's just the tax that comes it's with being it. in our, in our small market that. Hasn't had much success. The over only the way years. to become a big market is to pay the players and exactly. then draw the fans out, so we get more money. Exactly. You so overpay. Pay Patrick Line. Overpay now, and then maybe you won't have to pay as much if we're successful, and we can draw in more free agents and more uh, free agents, more fans. Trade. Yeah, exactly. It, it, that's all we need to do is we need to show that we want to keep our stars because you know for us it is almost like we're the Indians or the Guardians again. You know, before mm-hmm. this year it was, oh, you know, we have a good young star player. And his contracts do. Oh, well, we'll see you later. Yeah. And we just get rid of him or let him walk away in free agency. And I know at least he's not an unrestricted free agent this year. That's the only plus side is he's a restricted free agent. So as long as we manage to reach at least like a two-year deal or something to keep him around just a little bit longer, I would love to see that. And there seems to be mutual interest, too. So, I mean, he, you know, that's, we've heard before that, you know, players want to play in Columbus. We heard it from Panarin. Yeah. We heard it from Bob. Heard it from Duchesne, yep. We heard it from a lot of players, a lot of a lot of hurt. But we solidified but make it happen. If you really want to be here, then we solidified they need to play Line A wanting to be here though, because him and Tortorella did not get along right. at all. And we showed 
line that we want to keep him by not re-signing Tortorella. Yeah. So it's like, okay, he said he wants to be here. We've taken the steps to keep him. We built around him. We brought him in uh, uh, Jacob Voracek, perfect yep. fit for him. That was so. probably the – I was very unhappy with that trade when it happened. But now that it happened, I am head over heels that we did that. Yeah. So, we yeah, we've built around him. And now you just got to keep him in long term he, because he's, he's drawing only, in fans. He's too. only 24 years old. It's he's hard to believe young. because it seems like he's been around forever. But he gives yeah. off that uh, that very experienced, yeah, um, vibe. And he's so young. And honestly, like he's filling the stands. Yeah, night in and night out. Everybody wants to go see Patrick Line play. He could so. easily be our best player since Rick Nash. Oh, easily. I and hopefully 100%. with the playoff success. So. Pay them right in. now, our, I want to say our second best player since Rick Nash. Probably Bob. Yeah. If we're going all positions, if we're not going yeah. all positions. If we're going with forwards or If winners, we're going with forwards and, and, you know, like main scores, I I mean, I don't Panarin really know. Yeah, then, probably Panarin. Yeah. I'd, I'd give it to him. But, you know, we, we have. But we just need that, that cornerstone piece. We, we have a star for once. We have been without a true solid star for three years. Yes. Ever since we lost Panarin, ever since we lost Bob, we've been without our solid key star. Mm-hmm. And we have one right now, so it's just like, you know, give him give him the contract he deserves. Right. Because, you know, yeah, we didn't win a whole lot of games. That's because our defense was lackluster. Mm-hmm. Our scoring was fine. Line A was, you know, he got injured, yeah, but he still had a great season this year. Yeah. So I don't really see a reason on why we're on why we're waiting and it's just it's just a being stingy with the money type of thing yeah hopefully they're just figuring out the finances you know getting some of our other uh more uh, i mean foundational they, pieces yeah. kind of in there uh, they, before they, they did. before they pay i will say i was very pleased with was when uh at first it was up in the air if we were going to re-sign elvis or not mm-hmm. but then the minute that like our front office recognized he is a fan favorite oh they signed him yeah. right away yep. so i think uh you know, Lion is obviously he's gonna he's gonna test to see who might offer what, and I think mm-hmm. that we're gonna. I think the reason that we haven't resigned him yet is because we're waiting to see the offers that he might get. And we're gonna match them, if not yeah. get them better. Because the last thing we want to do is right now offer him a contract that he might think is unsatisfactory. Yeah, and then, and then he turns it down to go to like Vegas or something. Yeah. So I think what we're doing is we're waiting right now, and then the minute a team offers him like like Vegas, you know, whatever contract they offer, yeah. him, we're gonna better that. Mm-hmm. offer so I think that might be what we're waiting on which again as long as I'm we hoping. keep him around for this year it's fine because he's still a blue jacket until yeah. further notice so as long as we get him his contract before uh before he hits unrestricted free agency next year I think we'll be golden yeah I agree 100% pay the man pay Patrick line pay pay the mustache yes go pay blue the, jackets pay the line a laser <laughs> Yep, so that, that does it for me. Go Blue Jackets, uh, pay Patrick Line. Um, and, of course, congratulations to Jared Bednar, Lake Erie Monsters legend, for winning the Stanley Cup. Uh, we will always remember that here in Northeast Ohio. Uh, be sure to follow us on Twitter at WZIP Sports and tune into Sports Power Talk every Sunday from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. on 88.1 WZIP, also available on the Radio FX app. If you missed the latest Sports Power Talk, You can catch it on the SBT Rewind podcast, so subscribe to that in addition to subscribing to SBT Overtime. My name is Dan Groen. And I'm Patrick Weber. And go Jackets.